right. Come on, give yourselves a hand. We were able, $85,000 last year that we sent into ministry. There's nothing like investing in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is eternal. It's something that lasts. There's a lot of things that don't last. That's why on your taxes you can depreciate stuff because it's depreciating. It doesn't last but the kingdom of God, there is no depreciation. There's only appreciation, amen? And uh, we're a church that has a passion to see local and global missions uh, thrive. And I, I really believe this. I believe that uh, a local church is either risk-taking, caretaking, or undertaking. You're either risk-taking, we're either expanding and saying, we'll take the mountain, we'll possess the land, let's take these giants down because if we don't fight them, the next generation has to fight them, amen? So we're, a, we're a, a church that's not afraid to fight, we're a church that's not afraid to dream one size too big, and that's what our Giving Sunday, December 6th, Kingdom Builders is about, and we're going to have some fun, we're going to have uh, our missionary friends, Neil and Lindsay, uh, like coming in on the screen, and they're going to be talking with us live from Iraq, and then also Michael and Vanessa from Israel will be tuning in. We'll be hearing from uh, Jenny from Bridges, and we'll be sharing this new mission house opportunity that God has given us. It's going to be just a wonderful, wonderful uh, weekend, so you're not going to want to miss it. Make sure to tune in. Next weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving, my wife and I will be leading uh, the, the church family in communion all online. We'll be in our homes um, uh, sharing that experience, so we'll have some worship, and then from our home, we'll be uh, leading our church family communion. We want to give um, all of our volunteers, all the people who do all the AV stuff, uh, the weekend off, so uh, it's going to be just a, a simple, simple weekend, but a time of communion, very important for the family of the Lord, all right? So, big thing, we are closing down, finishing up the struggle is real part Five. How many at home or in the room would say, hey, 2020 was a little more difficult than I expected? Okay. And <laughs> I think that we all realize that the struggle is real and that we're all trying to process and deal with it in a certain kind of way. What we have learned in this sermon series is that our feelings are fickle and our feelings can fool us. That if we're not careful, we can be led by our emotions and we can be deceived by our emotions. And what Christ does is he reorders our mind, the data, with the input of, um, of the emotions and allows us to feel the right way so we can go the right way. One of the things that we want more than ever is for us to not just be able to endure this life, but to have victory in this life. That's what Christ guarantees. Not just uh, well, those who endure to the end. I think that that's the lowest denominator. If we can do that, awesome. But he's called us, as in the book of Revelation, these are those who have overcome. Amen. Say that with me. Wherever you are, overcome. Say, say this. Make this your confession. I am an overcomer. One more time. I'm an overcomer. Say it till your heart believes it. I'm not called to be under, I'm called to be over. I'm not called to be subject or mastered over by any element, emotions, or flesh. I'm called to rule and reign 
like Christ designed in the beginning, that we're to have dominion, to, to make and create and to thrive. And that is what God has put in each of us, that instinct to, to win, right? And not, not, the, not the shallow kind of like world version of win, 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 but the, the winning of mastery. Even in lack, Paul was winning. He said, I learned, I've, I've learned the secret of how to have nothing and still win, have a winning attitude, a winning disposition. And so what Christ has promised us is victory. Victory, victory, victory. So we've learned things like our emotions aren't dictators, but they're indicators. And, and they're, to, they're, 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 they're powerful things if they're put in the right place. That our emotions aren't bad, our emotions aren't evil. Uh, God created uh, sadness. There's a time to weep. There's a time to rejoice. It just has to be in the right place. We've talked about how Peter, he mismanaged his emotions, so he mismanaged his response. How are you doing with your response to COVID and politics? Are, are you responding right? Is, is the inner world, is it, is it aligned with the truths of God, the, the objective truth of the word of God? Or are we living in subjective realities based on all the inputs that are coming from online? We Again, we see this because we get to talk with people, we get to minister to people, we get to counsel people, and we get to hear what people are they're struggling with and struggling in. And on some level, you have and I have been struggling. We have been toying, we have been fighting, and there's a what the Bible says, a great falling away in the last days. Why? Because people will be led by their emotions. Their emotions will dictate their theology. I love that, that saying. It says that people's theology usually follows the morality. And the morality follows usually their feelings and their feelings or emotions with the data and the worldview and how they see the world. And so it's so important that we have objective truth in our life. But today I want to talk about the final subject in The Struggle is Real. And I'm doing this because there is a pattern that happens in all of us, and it is this. It starts with emotional fatigue. Emotional fatigue will lead to feeling overwhelmed. Too many inputs, too many sensories, too many things happening, too much news, too much input. Don't, we don't know what to do with all this information. We don't know how to process all this information. We don't even have people to process it with. Unless you have a mask on, I don't know if you're smiling or frowning at me. And then this feeling of overwhelm begins to create lack. Lack of prayer, lack of faith, it begins to become a blanket on top of you. And then all of a sudden, all iniquities resurface. Indulgence happens. Secrecy because of guilt. We internalize our pain. Then we create excuses, rewriting our mind and justifying the narrative of what we did. And we find ourselves in a bad place. This indulgence. We call it the indulgence of the flesh. What was alarming to me in the statistics that I was reading a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe a month and a half ago, I was reading at the spike of use of pornography, the spike of divorce that is happening right now. I mean, people can't even go to a place and date other people, but divorce is happening. Pornography. And there is this unraining of the flesh that is at rule in this, what seems to be lawless time. Amen. And so I want to kind of tackle this big subject, and I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 3. Now, again, I know it's the, the, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and we're going to be stuffing turkey, and we're going to be, you know, having our 10 people no more, and uh, we're going to shut the blinds, maybe have 11. I don't know what's going to happen. You do what you got to do, but um, 
We're gonna figure that out. But, but here's what I do know is that this is, the, this is the struggle that when everyone's gone and when it's all said and done, this is the secret struggle people are dealing with right now. And I don't want to ignore it. I don't want to, I don't want to push it aside and say, well, you deal with it and just pray a little harder and it'll all just go away. First Thessalonians chapter four and three says this, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. So it's not just what is, not just what is right and not what just is good, but it is what is giving to life. It's not just good and evil anymore. It is life and death, the consequences of how we deal with this. And so I'm gonna attempt my best to, through the help of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to dive into a subject not about marriage, not about um, how to date, but how to deal with this carcass, this man, this body that has to come under, under the restraint of Christ. You know, I was putting the heat on in the back, uh, believe it or not, it's always cold here in the building, but uh, putting the heat on and I, I pull my finger away and I go, I probably should put some hand sanitizer on that right there. And I thought it, I could have COVID right there. That's the thought that just quickly ran through my mind. And then I thought, you know, with the problem that we're talking about today, it's not about what can get on me. The problem is about what's in me. This iniquity that lives inside of me. Amen. And this is something that all of us deal with. So Heavenly Father, we ask for big and bodacious faith and insight to be able to see, to be able to comprehend, give us the tools, give us the revelation of what we as a nation, as a world, as adults, as young people are facing in this hyper-animated culture that is trying to stimulate this physical man to get and encroach the soul of humanity. I ask you in Jesus' name for spiritual understanding and everybody say amen. All right, so let me just give you some stats here. Um, These are alarming stats and I'm talking to people who are walking in faith, striving. These aren't, I'm not talking to people who are like just, just throw caution into the wind. Um, within Christendom, Christian men and women, the numbers are this today, that 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women about once a month stumble into looking at pornography. It is something that, it is so easy and replete. It's a picture that you just put your finger on and all of a sudden open something and it leads to this and swipe and look and oh my goodness, I, why did I do that? And, and, and it, one, about once a month, men are more vulnerable, but what's alarming is the numbers, especially among uh, people 18 to 30, it's at 79% and rising. And the reason is, is because one, there is so much easy access to images and information. And because the soul is unrestful and we've, we're looking for this appetite to be filled. And the Bible says that the flesh is like hell. It's never satisfied. 
so you can feed it one day and you think it'll go away. And then it comes back hungry the next day and the next day and the next day. Uh, I told myself if I can just get one piece of pecan pie, I'll be good. Then I realized that that one piece of pecan pie precipitated a desire for the second piece of pecan pie the next day. And you know who you are who brought that pecan pie to me. I love you, and I'm a little upset at the same time. But long story short is that it's never satisfied. And so what we can't do is take a passive approach. You don't win the battle of the flesh passively or even accidentally. Nobody accidentally goes, you know what? I was just walking along and then all of a sudden in a passive manner realize I've got to win this battle with the flesh. I was laying there watching Netflix passively and passively I had the power and strength to overcome this image that came up. No, it is something that has to be done intentionally. It has to be done regularly. It, has to, it doesn't stop when you're, when you're 50. You magically, all of a sudden, it all goes away. Or 60. One of our elders, um, a year or so ago, we, one of the funniest lines, I, I, every time I, about every other time I see him, I remind him of this quote he said. We, we, we said, it's your birthday. Uh, you guys get together. He and his wife got together and we're real close. He had this big grin and we said, man, that's a big grin. He said, he said I'm old, but I'm not dead. Anyways, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't go away. And, and here's, here's what Andrew Murray said. He said, the gospel is not the annihilation nor the sanctification of the flesh. The flesh remains an enemy until the day of the resurrection. The gospel is the victory over the flesh. So that means this, that when you get saved, it doesn't make your problems of this physical body, its desires, its inputs, its stimulations go away. It also doesn't sanctify it, that now I'm saved, so basically whatever I want to do, whatever I feel to do, I can just do it. He said it is going to be a battle, but there's going to be a victory through the gospel. Amen. And and what I want to challenge you is this, is that you can have victory in this area over your life, but it has to be intentional. See, I can shepherd a person's soul but I can't shepherd a person's flesh. Uh, 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 the, the soul is like a sheep. It's like a lamb. But the flesh is like a lion. It has its own nature. It, has, it can't be tamed. It has to be taken. It's either gonna take you or you gotta take it. There's no peaceful coexistence. There's no deal that you can make with your flesh and go, well, look, look, I'll, I'll fail every once in a while. I'll repent, feel bad, go to church. Lift up holy hands. And what happens is is we even become addicted to the the cycle and the secret of this routine of failure. And all of a sudden, we create pathways in our brain. The real issue is what's happening to us physiologically, not just spiritually. A lot of people will say, well, man, you know, if you do, if you, if you, if this will lead to that, and all of a sudden, you know, they'll end with, it could lead to an STD. And that's what the schools, you know, they just leave it to an STD. <gasps> STD, you don't want that. And that's kind of like the thing. No, no, no. <laughs> the issue is, is that this kind of lifestyle of leading with the impulses of the flesh are rewriting and reorganizing and remapping the brain. 
They're finding people right now because they started with pornography young, very young that they can't even have a true intimate relationship with a person. They've rewired their brain in such a way that they, their, their flesh only responds to images, the Rolodex of images that they have to go through in their mind. They have to escape to some other place because they've allowed imaginations to rewire their brain. That's why the Bible says we have to renew our minds. You came into Christianity with a mind that has taken on all the stimulus, all the examples, all the images, bad, very bad, awful. You've brought them into Christianity. Now the Holy Spirit and the Word of God wants to rewrite the way that your mind thinks. And let me just tell you, the struggle is real. This doesn't happen over coffee and a Bible study. This happens in a lifetime of saying, flesh, you're not in control. Flesh, you're not in control. Flesh, you're not in control. It is a battle that you have to today say, I'm raising the flag. I'm declaring war on the flesh. My wife and I, we we enjoy traveling. We took the first part of our marriage, we didn't travel. We stayed like home. We were home, 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 home. And then then God opened some doors for us to travel. We enjoy traveling. So if we can, if we're asked to go somewhere to to minister, we'll we'll do a little stop at the beginning of the end. And and a lot of times if we go to Africa or preach in different parts of Europe, uh, we'll stop in in England. I love the London tube. I love to see Londoners with their with their hats and their overcoats and their umbrellas and and their and their rain boots. Come on, I wear rain boots all winter. You have no idea how long I can wear these shoes. Uh, anyways, it's not even raining. I'm wearing rain boots. And uh, but there's there's something interesting that happens in the tube. The tube, the subway in London, is the oldest subway in the world. 1863 is when the subway was first started to be built between Paddington and Farrington stops. And then New York, I think it was in like 1903, 1906. So, so uh, a couple decades behind. And so the, the subway, I, I really enjoy like jumping on the subway and, and, and jumping across town. It, it's a fun experience. But if you're in the London tube, here's what you're gonna hear nonstop. Mind the gap, mind the gap. Mind. They even have shirts and hats that say, mind the gap. If you've ever been in the London tube, you're gonna mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. Why? Because when they made the tube long ago, they didn't engineer it correctly. A lot of their stations are on turns. And when you have a turn, it's hard to get that, 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 uh, what are the, that platform to line up perfectly. So in some places, there's actually a two-foot gap. Every single year, there's over 400 people who fall into the subway. Every, that, doesn't mean, that doesn't include the people who like slip and almost fall. 400 people. That's over one a day falling into because of the gap. And so back in, uh, the, back in the day, they used to have somebody who literally walk up and down the platform going, mind the gap, mind the gap. That was their job. Mind the gap. What do you do for a living? I just tell people to mind the gap. Mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. Now it's recorded. Starting in 1963, it was with the, 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 with the sound system. Mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. So here, you're about to get on. Mind the gap. Oh, oh, why? Because it's easy to forget. It's easy to be doing something and to slip. There's a gap there. Can I tell you, we have to constantly, regularly remind ourselves, watch the flesh. Watch the flesh. Watch the flesh. We can't be lackadaisical about it. 
because the moment you're lackadaisical about it, all of a sudden, you let that lion out of the cage and he bites your hand off. And you're like, how did this happen? Because you weren't minding the gap. We have to understand that salvation is not the annihilation nor the sanctification of the flesh. You and I will deal with this carcass for the rest of our lives. And here's what it is. Rule or be ruled. There's no in-between. Rule or be ruled. Second Peter chapter two and 19 says this. They promise freedom. These, the, the, Peter is describing uh, those who seduce and those who take advantage. And it, it's, a, it's a powerful uh, chapter in the Bible. I totally recommend going back and reading it. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. You're a slave to whatever controls you. I want to speak this right now. You are a child of God, and you were never called to be a slave. Sin wants to make you a slave wants to be your taskmaster, but the spirit of Moses comes and says, let my people go. They have a fire in them, a passion that can go ungodly, but I've stood before the fire, the burning bush. There's another fire that's greater than the fire of our iniquity. There's another experience that's even greater than the experiences we have experienced. It's the appetite that gets you. Now, I heard this, and this may be for, for some uh, of the animal lovers um, hard to hear, but uh, Eskimos, the way that they, they capture wolves and they, for, for eating, for, for good purposes, not, not to torture or hurt anybody, what they'll do is they'll take a very sharp blade and they'll put it in the snow. They'll put blood on the blade and the wolf will smell the blood and the wolf will come to the blade, not knowing it's a blade, and they'll begin to lick the blood. And at some point, there's a transition from blood to blade. And because the blade is cold, they can't sense that at some point now, they're now eating their own blood. Their appetite is what kills them. Their instinct for blood is what is now causing them to to die. And here's what I want to tell you. There's an appetite inside of all of us that Christ has conquered. Christ overcame. He conquered the uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life. There is power in the word. There's power in the spirit. There's power in the blood. Every one of us putting this body under Christ. That means I'm not leading with feelings. I'm not going, well, pastor, you don't understand. We're in love. Well, yes, according to your dopamine levels and your oxytocin levels, you are feeling the love feeling, but that will all be gone. And then you'll see him or her without their makeup on or their hat on or them, you know, acting debonair past the bread and acting like they have it all together. And you're going to, and all of a sudden we're going to, time will test what you really feel. What, what's really behind, because these emotions and chemicals running through your body have a way of blinding you. You become blind by your appetite. And we're living in a generation, the spirit of our age, that knows your appetite. 
It knows the appetite of the wolf. It knows what you crave. That's why it knows what to put on the post. That's why it knows just the right language to say. Because it knows your instinct. And in marketing genius, they go, this is what stimulates women. And this is what stimulates men. And this is what, if we can make him feel this way, then he'll do this thing. If we can make him feel that way, we can get him to buy that thing. If we can get her to feel this way. If we can get her to be jealous of the airbrush model that's never had a kid. Then we can get, then we can get her to respond and feel a certain way about herself. And, and all of a sudden, chemicals are moving. And all of a sudden, your mind is stimulated. And you feel a certain way that's not even anchored in absolute truth. It's all subjective reality. Again, I mentioned this before, but The Social Dilemma, if you have not seen it on Netflix, it's imperative that every family watches this. There are algorithms Built to entice your appetite. But on the other side of the blood is a blade to hurt, to kill, to destroy. Because we can be fooled. This week we had a funny experience. My wife and I, we met this lady. Um, We were talking with her. And all of a sudden she goes, what do you do for a living? And I never know what, you know, that answer is gonna, what, what it's gonna, what the response is gonna be. And I'm a pastor and they go, oh, oh, ooh. You know, I, I never know. And so I said, I'm a pastor. And, and, and God is my witness. She goes, it's incredible. Oh, I have been, I, this is a miracle. I have been, way, I've been looking, I've been praying to meet a pastor. And I was like, like, it's happening. It's happening. Right now, this is the story that we get to tell 20 years down the road. Those back in the day, we're just minor own business. A lady comes and it's like, I gotta have a pastor. And, and I, I said, what, what, how can we help you? She goes, I sh- I'm trying to start shooting commercials and I need the pastor gowns, you know, the, the robes. Can you lend me them? And I was like, I thought you were needing some spiritual advice or something. I didn't know, you know. I was like, I think you're looking for a priest. She's like, priest, that's right, priest. I mean, I was like, huh? I was zinging. I was like, it's happening, it's happening. Oh, okay, yeah. Like that quick. (laughs) Feelings are fickle. You are, God created you for animation. We feel life. We cry, we weep, we laugh. We're not wanting to dumb that down. A fire in a fireplace is awesome. A fire in the middle of your living room is terrible. Misdirected, misplaced passions is what we're up against. God's not against pleasure. Like, I want you to, like, realize that. You know, you you have the, 
the Stoics who were like anti-pleasure, morals. And, and then you, you had the other group, the Epicureans, who were, life is all about pleasure. But, but Jesus said, no, 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 like, like, it, like it's no, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life and festivity and, and enjoying like what I gave you, sexuality. You know, back in the day, all, as cartoons, as kids, in the, the Adam and Eve, they didn't have private parts. And I, you know, it was kind of assumed that like the private parts didn't come until the devil tricked them. The devil made the private parts. No, God made all that. But all that belongs in the right place. Because he always puts boundaries around the garden. Everything. Well, pastor, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I mean, name the subject. What what do you think about having a glass? Everything has boundaries. And it's all in the word of God. God wants us to prosper. He wants to overflow. The boundary is the way that we prosper. Without boundaries, you don't have a river, you have a swamp. And a lot of people, their sexuality is a swamp, not a river. There's no boundaries to it. God wants us to have boundaries. Boundary around Sinai. Boundary around the burning bush. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. This is not like every other ground. This is not like every other body. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is not like every body else's body. There's something in you and on you that is different and unique from everybody else. And you gotta start knowing that and believing that. My body will not be a tool for the enemy. My flesh will not be subject to all the inputs. So what is the spirit of the age? First Timothy 4 and 1 says this. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Watch this, Jude 18. There's only one chapter, so it's just verse 18. That they were saying to you in the last time that we mockers following after their own ungodly lust. We live in a generation now where all the restraints are gone. There used to be social restraints. You'd be like, I don't think that that's a good thing to do. There's some positive peer pressure here. And I know that there is, there's extremes to everything. But now it's like, we will celebrate you doing whatever you feel like you want to do. Live your truth. Just whatever you're feeling, man. You say that until it's your husband or your wife. Well, they feel in love with another person. Shouldn't they respond to their feelings oh it's different because we're in a a covenant oh so we're going back to the principle i gotcha you can't have both so there is a season the spirit of the age and so what the age knows is this is that you have a lot of you're in fact you are a ball of nerves You have enough nerves in your body to line them up to go to the sun and back. Your body is a sensory board, a feeling, heat, cold. You can feel in one hand, put it in ice, and another, put it in hot water, and 
You can feel both. It doesn't average them out. You can have both pain and pleasure at the same time. There are, there are two billion sensories just in your skin. Sight, sound, smell, feeling, a social sensory. They like me. They don't like me. Oh. You literally are this body that is alive and connected to the world. And the seducing spirit of the age is that I, they, they, this is the idea, that we can use all of that sensory and we can either, either over-censor them where now they move into overload. I read you the order. Where now we fall into tiredness and then indulgence and then guilt. Or we can stimulate them to feel and do what we want them to do. It's a marketing strategy. We can sway people, whether it's pornography or political, to act certain ways and to feel certain ways. And all I'm saying is this, is we I don't want somebody on YouTube or Facebook or some pornographic site to be in charge of this body. This body belongs to the Lord. And that's why the Bible points us to the spirit of Jezebel. Several years ago, I made the mistake of saying, and that's why no one calls, names their children, child Jezebel. After service, of course, some mother comes up and says, I want to introduce you to Jezebel. So I will never say that again. But Jezebel has a negative connotation. If your child is named Jezebel, I apologize. That was a very embarrassing moment. Couldn't bury my head in the sand because it's concrete, but I felt like doing that. Anyways, Jezebel, you've heard about Jezebel. The spirit of Jezebel, we, we see in the Bible, the spirit of Babel. Babel or Babylon, these nations don't exist anymore, but the spirit exists, right? Jezebel, well, she's gone. She was eaten by dogs, yes, but the spirit of Jezebel still exists today. The seducing spirit of the end of the age that we have to be warned about. Re <clears throat> Revelation 2 and 20. But I have, I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Here's what I want you to hear. That the spirit of the age is trying to prophesy to you like a false prophet, trying to prophesy your future. Because if we can get you to feel a certain way and think a certain way, then we're gonna get you to move a certain way and now your future is formed by your feelings that are being seduced by an age that only cares about the bottom line. Two million, 10 million, 100 million dollar, 100 billion dollar industry. Persuade, we can, we can move masses by one post and the church is getting duped into feeling our way through the minutia of the world and we're gonna have to be better than ever at being able to discern. You know what the spirit of discernment is? The spirit of discernment is I'm not gonna make a decision based on how I feel in my sensory. I'm gonna make a decision based on the Holy Spirit teaching me, guiding me, influencing me. If you've ever prayed for a breakthrough or for the ability to have victory, it is the time to pray for the spirit of discernment. Yeah. 
to discern between what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. So here's what, here's what Jezebel does. She hates the word of God. She hates the prophets. She was the daughter of a priest, a high priest of Baal. She married a king, Ahu. She influenced him. She didn't want sex, but she used seduction and sex to get her way. She wanted power. This is the spirit of the age that is now that we see embodied in a woman named Jezebel back in the book of Kings. And the only one who could challenge her, you know who he was? Elijah. Elijah. Why? Because he couldn't be seduced by her. The only one who had the power to overcome her lies was the one who couldn't be influenced by her. In fact, John the Baptist comes the same way in the same spirit to challenge the seducing spirit of religion that's in Israel right before Jesus gets there. He's got the spirit of Elijah. What does he do? He's eating honey and locusts and dressed in camel clothes, living out in the monochromatic desert. There's nothing flashy about him. He's not seducing. He's got a clear word, repent and get right with God true fire's coming. And the only way we overcome is to know the trick. And number two is to put this flesh under submission every single day. What about tomorrow? I got it. I got it today. Tomorrow will be easy. No, mind the gap. 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 There used to be a guy in our church back in the day he used to clap like this, and I couldn't worship because I would watch him, and I'd be like, no, that's wrong. I wanted to fix him. He's always on the front row, clapping wrong, kind of like this, going to poke his eye out. Mind the gap every day. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind the gap every day. Well, I'm, I'm turning 60 this year. It's going to be all over. No, it doesn't annihilate. It doesn't sanctify the flesh. No. Every day, willpower is not a skill, it's a muscle. And we gotta be aware of when our emotional breakdown turns into the compulsion for indulgence and appetite. Now there's a lot more to this and I had about 19 pages and I'm down to five And next year we may lean into it a little bit more and, and, and give you tools and keys. But I, I just want to awaken because this is the season where we're looking for sensory input, fulfillment. And can I just tell you that there's a false comfort and there's a true comfort. Those who weep shall be comforted. When we weep and we're emotionally hurt, we look for comfort. And what, do we, what happens? The world offers us false comfort. This will make you happy. This will make you happy. If you just do this, it'll just take a couple minutes. If you just look at this, it won't be long. You can repent and get right and da 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 And all of a sudden, you're reaching and pining for false comforts, which begins to break down the soul. The Bible says that Lot tried to live in Sodom and it vexed his righteous soul. His soul became vexed. 
constantly, every day having to battle, 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 all the sensory inputs. Two angels come to destroy the city and they want to have an orgy with the angels. When the angels say no, they want to kill the angels. That's the world, that's the city that Lot lived in. His soul become, became vexed. Can I just tell you that we have something that keeps our soul from being vexed? It's the Holy Spirit that's breathing life. Now we have an inner strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now we know how to bring our flesh under subjection, being strong every day winning the battle, every day winning the battle. Because the book of Revelation says that they're trying to wear down the saints, wear them down. Just give in a little bit, just give a little bit. Just your little appetite, just feed your appetite. If you feed your appetite today, going to come back tomorrow even more, even more. I pray over families. I pray over men. I pray over homes. The struggle is real. The struggle is not just in theology. It's in morality. And we're reshaping our theology to accommodate our morality. And it's time we look back and go, you know what? This only works. This fire works if it's in the fireplace. It's got to be in the right place. I will not let my passions rule me, but I will rule over them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mind the gap every day. Win the battle every day. Confess. Live from the inside out. Live out loud. Hey, Frank, John, Eric, I need to call you. I'm struggling. I'm not giving my permission. I'm not giving my permission to this flesh to rule over me. And I, it may take two of us to beat this thing down. You can't pastor this flesh. You gotta rule over this flesh. We gotta win. We got to win. We've gotta win. Young people, husbands, wives, we've gotta win. We've gotta win. Call on us, call on each other. Help me win. I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I pray for every person in this room and every person watching, volunteers that are listening. God, I pray right now. We need the spirit of Elijah that doesn't give in to that seducing spirit. There's a seducing spirit that's wanting us to feel our way out of faith. Doesn't feel good. God, I just don't feel like God would do that. I just don't feel like God would write that in his Bible. God, help us to be resolute in the constitution of our heart that the word of God is true and every man and every feeling is a liar. The word of God is true and will stand the test of time. And so I will anchor my emotions, my feeling, my, my, my values, my, my, my core constitution to your word. And I will live. I receive it. Every home, every heart, every person. Just call out right now. I receive it. I receive the assignment of victory. In Jesus' name. Say it with me. In Jesus' name. It is finished. We're going to win. And you're not in this alone. We have power. The Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. I want to pray for those who don't know the Lord. 
We are saved to serve. We are here for those who are not here yet. We're at the Father's house just saying the, the door's open. Come prodigal, come lost coin, lost sheep, whoever you are, God's been speaking, dealing with you. God's been doing so much pre-work before today's message, setting you up for the great exchange of you handing over all your hurt and all your frustrations and all your sin and receiving grace and forgiveness. Wait, if I just give you this, you'll give me this? Yes, that's the great exchange. We repent of our sins, turn from our wicked ways, and Jesus will forgive you right now. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, forgive us of our sins. Heal us of our hurts. We forgive those who have sinned against us. I believe that Jesus died for me, rose on the third day, and is coming back to receive a glorious holy church. Today, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sins, and I believe that your Holy Spirit's gonna come into my life. I believe you're gonna make me alive with you, and I believe I'm gonna walk according to your will, forever be changed, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say it with me, in Jesus' name. I'm forgiven, I'm whole, forever, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's tap our hands to heaven. Let's thank the Lord for everyone who's prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, we have a, a book for you that we want to get in your hands ASAP as possible, as one man once said. And we want to get this in your hands. Uh, let us know who you are. We'll send this to you because we are thrilled about your journey. We don't want you to do it alone. This book, Following Jesus, it's prayer and worship, the Bible, water baptism, Holy Spirit, the church, sharing your faith, loving people. It's all in here, simple, powerful, practical. You don't want to not have this. All right, right where you are, would you do me this favor? Thanksgiving's coming. Why don't we stand wherever we are, living room, kitchen. If you're driving, please remain seated. But just, just sing this from your heart. Sing this from your heart. And let's find victory together today. Wind's in Jesus' name.